Capital, where we step into the ring of combat sports business. I'm your host, Ryan Rappaport. Today, I'm joined by Zan Bando. He is a young, dynamic freelance journalist with a rich background in covering both collegiate athlete, athletics and combat sports. He has showcased his versatility across platforms like Men's Journal, BJPen.com, and MMA Knockout. And as a co-host on the MMA Outsiders podcast, he is a seasoned contributor across the sports journalism landscape. His passion for the sports industry, combined with his commitment to engaging in informative content, positions him as a notable voice in the realm of sports journalism. journalism. And I'm eager, eager to explore the evolving narratives with him of combat sports and beyond. Thanks for being here, Zan. How are well, you and where are you joining from? Well, um, first off, Ryan, uh, thank you. Um, thank you for for inviting me and th thank you for the very kind introduction i'm uh joining you today from the suburbs of chicago it's a town called downers grove illinois about 45 minutes outside of the city and uh i'm glad to i'm glad to be here well i know you're a recent graduate and uh 2023 was a, seemed like a pretty pivotal year for you with significant achievements and personal growth uh, you've covered a pretty impressive array of events. You completed your master's degree and you've just been, I've seen you out there embracing challenges and opportunities across freelance journalism. Can you just talk a little bit about how your 2023 experiences have shaped your vision for your career in sports journalism and how you're carrying that into this year? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question. I would say 2023 was an amazing year of growth. Um, my graduate program which was the Northwestern Medill School of Journalism really did shape that this is what I wanted to do as a career. And it was definitely served as a crash course, you know, for what a potential full-time career could look like and, you know, really what it's like being a sports journalist. And I think that's something that I really immersed myself in, whether it was in-person coverage, whether it was learning in the classroom, whether it was doing smaller assignments where I had to talk to sources. I felt like every single aspect of the, program and just kind of all of the different things that I did just kind of translated and really showed me like, hey, not only can I do this, but I can also cover uh, multiple sports and I, I can stand out because I'm one of those people where usually when it comes to sports journalism, you usually get former athletes or people who have played or something like that or people who have competed. I'm not one of those people. You're, you're looking at me from a very outsider perspective. So a lot of it is what I've seen. A lot of it is what I think, and I think um, that sets me apart from the rest of the pack. Is I feel like I, I feel like there are some things that that are very similar to me in terms of other people, but I think there are other things that makes me unique. And I think the biggest thing that makes me unique is that outsider perspective, to where you know I don't have to know everything, and I feel like it's important to know what other people's stories are. And I feel like in order to be successful in this business, you have to know what it's retail well and I feel like I'm well on my way to achieving that and I feel like what's cool about sports journalism is that there's no barrier to entry anybody can do it and I think that's what makes the industry uh very unique it would certainly a growth year for me last year but I feel like I learned a lot yeah we'll talk a little bit about it because you're living with cerebral palsy you're actually the second journalist with cerebral palsy who's joined me on the podcast can you just talk a little bit about what that means for you as a journalist and how you kind of worked your way and fought through that. Yes, living with a disability is no small feat. I've had cerebral palsy since birth, so it's something that I've had to live with my entire life. But I think it's one of those things where no matter what, no matter what challenges you face or what hardships you face, it's kind of figuring out the ways like, okay, this can work. How can we make this work? And I feel like being an advocate for yourself is 
one of the biggest things that I've learned, whether it's asking um, for accommodations as a member of the media, whether it's um, bringing someone along with me for physical help, whether it's taking or asking um, my ex-classmates or people that I'm close to who I'm at events with to help me with things. I think it's more so just putting myself out there, and I think that's probably uh, something for anyone who's watching this for you know, who has a disability or feels like, okay, I really want to get involved into sports, but where do I start? And I feel like it's just, we're trying their best to attempt things and we're seeing what works and seeing what doesn't. I thought for several years, maybe adaptive sports would be a good route for me. And then I tried a couple of those and I just wasn't, uh, I wasn't competing as well as what is expected of you when it comes to competing against your peers that are similar to you. So I figured, well, what better way to stay around sports than to cover them either as a public address announcer or as a journalist and I feel like that's the path that I wanted to take because I wanted to stay around sports in some way whether it's um whether it's football whether it's fighting whether it's any of that stuff I just knew that doing something in sports is what I wanted to do and no matter what I decided to do I did not want my disability to hold me back from doing so and so far based on what I've done in He's done still what I have to do in order to be successful. I feel like I've done a lot of those things pretty well. It's just more about putting all, all the pieces together and seeing not only how I can help myself, but help others. And I think that's the most important thing. Well, I mean, just to elaborate on that a little bit, I mean, you've already been featured in some pretty prestigious bylines. I mentioned some of the outlets before, and you've covered a, a wide variety of sports content those challenges aside, what other opportunities and challenges do you encounter in freelance journalism, especially when you're building relationships with these media outlets and securing those assignments? Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing really is just asking for what you want and kind of proving to yourself and whoever the outlet is that you're working for that that you that you can that you can cover these events and you can do them in a in a, in a fair and honest manner and sometimes based on the media outlet you're going to get people that say no and you feel like that you've been you've been done wrong because they don't believe in your skills but i think it's more so just aligning yourself with people that that have the same vision as you understand your work and are able to help you and guide you through things that maybe other people that don't know your work as well um are, are unable to so i think it's more so just kind of learning as you go and understanding what things are fit versus what things are in a fit and then just kind of taking those things and putting them all together and trust me it took me several years to figure it out okay once okay now that i now that i know people that believe in me and believe in what what i can do i can actually give this a shot because to many people's surprises who have followed my work for the better part of four to five years i i only started doing in-person coverage a couple of years ago and it was simply just because sometimes in terms of access this point getting all of the necessary contacts it was um it was it was more um it was it was it was difficult to actually do it more than just to say it right sometimes they say it's easier said than done and i feel like i ran into that trap but once i once i noticed and once i aligned with places where they were like oh yeah he can actually do the work and he can actually go cover these things that's when things started to shift and change and i I think it's more about just kind of going after opportunities that are out there. And as long as you have the ability to do so, there should be no one that should tell you no on that. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned 
through this whole process as well. Yeah, well, speaking of that, you've been uh, in person for a couple of really cool events. And you had uh, uh, UFC 264, Bellator, Bellator 297. Can you talk a little bit about what drew you to combat sports and how those sports and events that you've been to influence your perspective on its coverage? Yeah, so um, in terms of UFC 264, I was a, I was a fan for that. And I've been a, I've been an MMA a consumer since about 2006. It was the first sport I ever saw. Um, I had actually got me into it. He had watched some of the early UFCs and uh, he had randomly ordered a pay-per-view one night. I think it was UFC 61. So that was the first UFC I remember watching. And I just thought that, um, I just thought that combat sports was the coolest thing in the world because it's two men or two women in a cage. There's only, there's only a referee in the, the only person that can protect themselves are the people fighting. Right? So I thought, I thought that was very unique. And then just kind of seeing back in the day what, what the UFC's production was like, and just kind of how they went and about everything and how they made every single event larger than life. I thought it was the coolest thing ever. So I started going to UFC events at a pretty young age, and UFC 264 was kind of like a, a culmination of all my years of following the sport because I had been told by several people in you haven't experienced a ufc event and until you get to win in las vegas and to all, all the, those people that told me that they were they they were 100 percent right but kind of going to the other part of the question which is in regards to bellator bellator is actually the first promotion that gave me um in person opportunities to cover their shows and bellator 297 which my second card as a member of the media and that card just felt big um, I remember asking Scott Coker, I think it was in November of 2022, if he was going to make uh, Chicago and Midwest MMA kind of a priority. And he re he assured me, yeah, and less than a year later, they were they were back in my neck of the woods. And I just remember that card being very sentimental because there was a lot of Midwest MMA talent. And it, there were so, so many fantastic fighters that came together from multiple different promotions in the past to be in one event and it just felt like a really huge card so to be able to be there for the and to be able to say that i covered it as well as cover bellator 301 which was the last um bellator under the biocon and i take all those events um very seriously and i hold them very close to my heart because i know that for those who were you know around for some of the earlier bellators in the earlier ufc is they understand what it means, you know, when transitional periods happen. And, you know, I think it kind of opened my eyes to the sport in a different way that, you know, these fighters are just, on the end of the day, they're all humans. And I, I feel like they all have stories. And I feel like that's what um, Bellator kind of allowed me and the other media members to do, which was to tell those. And I, I just feel that it's very important, especially for anyone and that's never done it before is you really have to tell the fighter's story. Otherwise the coverage is just going to be more in the same from what you see every single day. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. There's something that is just so intangible about being there in person. I talk about that a lot. Uh, you know, I had a friend, we went to 287 together in Miami and you know, what an event to be at, but there's just the energy that you get there in person. And I think no one obviously does it as good as the UFC does, 
but being there in person of, you know, I've been to um, some BKFC events, been to a lot of local regional events as well. Same and it's just something about the in-person or the hearing it, the seeing it and the in-person energy that you, I mean, like, it's almost like, how do you even know the sport until you've been at a live event? Right. So I, I'm right there I, with I, you. Yeah. I mean, I think you just made a great point. You nailed it right on the head. I would argue that you don't know the sport until you've been, and at least one live event, regardless of what promotion it is. And, and I and 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 I'm with you. Um, regards to some of those regional shows, I've been to smaller events before, and there's nothing like you know a smaller promotion on its way up, trying trying to build the reputation and trying to get as many people out as possible. I mean, I think that's what makes the sport so interesting is that all of these these fighters are going to start somewhere, and it's going to be in some upstart promotion, and, and you might as well go. Because because you never know, some of those fighters that you could be watching could eventually be future champions one day. And I think that that's what makes the sport so unique, is you never know what card you're going to come across, where, whether it's in person or on TV, where you're, you're going to find that next big star that no one was expecting. And I think that's what makes every weekend so exhilarating. And I feel like we're in this we're in this transition period now. With the sport where we're sitting in 2024 and there's all this talk about UFC 300 and super fights and personality and all of this stuff, I just feel like what makes the sport great and what people seem to quickly forget outside of all the minutia is that the the, the fights and the and the and the talent and the um and and the and the accumulation of just everything that goes along with it is what makes the sport so exciting. And I'm not saying that there's not politics within the sport. Because as there is, but I think at its core, the the fights and the entertainment value of it is what makes it so unique, whether you are a fan or a member of the media. And I just think that's something that I think a lot of people forget and something that people will need to keep in mind, regardless of what their role uh, in the sport is. So, Well, you, you hit on a really good point there. And just to expand on that, how, how do you see the role or perceive that role of journalism in shaping that narrative and public perception of combat sports? Yeah, so, I mean, I think everybody's going to have a different answer to this question, but I think it's more so, what are you going to do differently that stands out? But what are the, what are these independent, um, what, what, what are the, these independent media members doing versus the ones that are, are, are hired full-time and paid by an outlet? Or are they people that are just going to write what the oceans feed them or are they going to go out and actually do with the investigative work that will that will make them look good and that will give the, her outlet credibility and allow their outlet to win a bunch of awards and stuff i feel like we're, we're we're at this we're at this crossover point where either journalists in my opinion need to step up for what they believe in as members of the mma media because if they, they just if they just sit back and wait the same tenure narrative of promotions walking all over everybody he's just going to be the same thing over and over and over again so i mean a great example he's been pushed on this a couple of times i always picture myself with as a member of the media it's some of these ufc events and some of these bigger events where it feels like whatever subject you're interviewing where you're not getting you're not getting the answer out of them that you expect and my uh my response to that is you shouldn't be you should and it be nervous to lose access if you're doing your job and you're doing your job correctly because at the end of the day, if you end up losing access, it's a reflection on them and not you. So, well, I think as long as people go into the, go in with that mindset, knowing that they're there to do hard 
getting journalism work and hopefully come up with a story that, that nobody else has come up with. I think that's something that people need to keep in mind and that's something that also people need to remember is that, that sometimes it's not about as much as the access as it is about putting out the best stories possible. And I hope that out of, out of anything that anyone takes away from uh, from listening to this, whenever they do listen to this, is it's all about the reputation. And as long as you can keep your um, reputation uptight and do what you need to do to put out the best work possible, that's all that matters. So that's a great point. I mean, some of the best content out there is the stuff that people have been ostracized by some of the bigger promotions. So you're, you're right on point there. I mean, is there, you know, reflecting on this journey that you have, have you had any people that you consider significant mentors or influences in sports journalism for you? Yeah. So, um, I have, uh, I have a couple, uh, uh my advisor at the Northwestern Medill School of Journalism was Jay Donde. He's a very famed journalist who was on ESPN for several years and is at a lot of mainstream newspapers and just his wealth of knowledge in regards to almost every sport and just kind of knowing what to do and not do in certain situations was just super helpful to learn from him and just super helpful as to how you gain contacts and how you build relationships. So he's definitely been helpful. And then uh, in terms of on the MMA side, pretty much which every single person I've ever worked with um, professionally at every single out that I've been with, I consider those people mentors. And then anyone really from the realm of like, well, whether it comes to um, the guys over at CBS Sports, the guys over at MMA Fighting, the guys over at MMA Junkie, I think what makes the MMA media unique is that as far as I can tell, and I, I can be very wrong on this considering I haven't covered the sport for too, too long, but I think what makes the MMA media sphere interesting in terms of the people who cover it is that no one is there to backstab anyone. And at least the people that I talk to always support um, everybody's work, your work included. And I think that that's something that we need to remember is that even though we're all out trying to hustle, we should all support each other as much as we can. And uh, I think that's something that people forget because this is a very small um, niche industry. So as long as we can support each other where we can, it's going to make all of us better. And I think that's the most important thing. No, and, and shout out to the MMA media group that we're in. I, I've seen that there and it's been really cool being a part of that, meeting you, uh, having people like Anik who brought me into that as well, and just kind of seeing the camaraderie that exists there and, you know, a, a little bit of shit talking here and there, but, you know, just a lot of support. And I'm super thankful for just kind of like the guidance and all the people there that have been supporting my work as well. And yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And also I'll just add cool that you have access to Jay Adani. I'm a huge fan of his and That's I know that awesome. he was like such a huge media personality for so long. So it's pretty cool that you get to have people like that in your life um, from like a an overarching mainstream sports. And in the end, I guess combat sports is still a niche, even if it's on ESPN and the zone and all these other, it, it is a niche, right? And it's something that we're constantly trying to build into. For sure. And what I think is the most, the most unique part about that too, and I'm glad you mentioned that is I feel like you can go up to people on the street and you could say, for example, who's going to win this week in Volkanovski or Taporia, you who could you could have one person go into a seven to ten minute technical breakdown in the fight, and, and you could and then you could go up to another person and say, "I have no idea what you're what you're talking, what those people are, and when they're and when yeah. they're even competing." So I think it's I think it's very unique. It's not on that level 
Edward in terms of like the NFL if you went up to anyone and said, well, what did you think of the Chiefs 49ers game on Sunday? Everyone, everyone's going to have an opinion on that because it's super mainstream sport and over 120 million people saw the game. But until MM it gets to that level, I still think you're going to see some very interesting responses. But I think also it goes to show that some of us that are more on the independent side of things, as long as we can continue to build it, it is going to be at that level one day it'll just take it'll just take time i think so yeah i agree with you it's actually funny because i was a collegiate football player grew up playing football it was such a piece of my of my core being for such a long time i didn't watch one nfl game this year i didn't watch one minute of the super bowl this year and yet i'm one of those people and always uh, uh, who's like the combat sports nerd and it always blows me away the people that come out of the woodwork who've like seen my content and are like coming and engaging me and i'm just like wow i had no idea i didn't see that one coming but i think that like you're saying speaks to the growth of the sport and the opportunity for people like ourselves as well for, for sure and that's and by the way you're the first person to have told me out of every person that i usually talk to that uh you who didn't you didn't watch a single minute of the nfl this season i guess the only answer that i have for you is that is a lot that, that is the the that is a lot of dedication and that is a lot I have not taken uh, spoilers because I, because I don't think most people would have been able to do that. I mean, you can't avoid the bylines and the stats, but it's just, I lost interest uh, in just full transparency. Like there's nothing about it, the culture, the actual games, the speed. I mean, I, I do consume a insane amount of combat sports. I'm watching like Bahrain regional events on Brave and One and Flow Grappling and all these other kickboxing in 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 uh, in Muay Thai in Sweden of all places. But like th that's what gets me these these days. And yeah, I know I think that kind of speaks to like where I'm at professionally. But I'm just curious, what are some of your professional aspirations moving forward in, in sports journalism? Yeah, I mean, I could see myself going in multiple different directions. Um, oh, even though I'm Currently freelancing, I'm still um on the hunt for for what I feel um would be my first ideal full time role. But I could see myself going in the direction of either being either a, a college football beat reporter, a college basketball beat reporter, or um somehow some a covering combat. I just know doing one of those three to four things would ultimately make me happy and would fill what my current career aspirations are right now. But I feel like what makes me unique as compared to us some other MMA media members and it's no disrespect to them but I feel like I'm one of the few at least in our little circle that has shown that why well, can cover multiple sports and do it and do it on a pretty succinct level so I think really any of the, those options um to start would be good and then my eventual overall long-term goal is I would like to uh be independent and eventually work for multiple places and the, and just kind of do my own thing however I see fit. Well, you're young. I know you have a bright career ahead of you, Zan. If, uh, just for anyone listening, where can people find your work? And is there anything or any outlet you want to give a shout out to right now? Sure. So um, I'm going to give a shout out to every single outlet that I'm currently with. So that includes um, BJPen.com, MMA Knockout, and Colonel Mike Farrell Sports. You all, you all know who you are. First, thank you very much for giving me a platform and a box. I line to showcase my work. That's number one. Um, you can find all of my work across social media on Instagram and X slash Twitter at Zanbando99. That's 
at Z-A-I-N-B-A-N-D-O. Hindi na And then you can find all my journalistic work on muckrack.com and it's linked in all my bios everywhere as well as my link tree. So there's a ton of different ways to get a hold of me. I do my best to reply to everyone no matter what it is and I just try to be as um um accessible as possible. And I think that's something that a lot of people should be aware of is the more that you're accessible, the more that people are going to reach out. Very similar to how you who did it. I just think it's a big way to both camaraderie and network. And uh, yeah, those are all the different ways you can find me. No, I agree with you 100%. Being accessible and willing to have the conversation is always important. And thank you for having this one, Dan. I think it's an important one. And just talking about how people are working their way up and trying to achieve their hopes and dreams. And that, and that means a lot for me. So thanks for being here today. Of course. Absolutely. Looking forward to getting it out there. Absolutely.